0: Welcome to the Adoption Discovery Podcast. Your host, Bridget Badley, is the founder of AdoptionDiscovery.org, a national nonprofit helping people adopt for zero dollars and in less than nine months. Join us for real support, real help, and real answers to your adoption questions. This is Bridget with Adoption Discovery, and today we are talking about the difference between guardianship and adoption and what that means to the foster parent interested in permanency. We are joined today by Danny Stevens and Julie Wisotsky, and thank you guys so much for coming in and talking to us a little bit about this subject.
1: Thank you for inviting us.
2: Glad to be here.
0: Fantastic. Oh, Danny, why don't you get us started with a little bit of information about the guidelines on permanency, and I know this will probably just mean in your state. I'm not sure. Is it a... National guideline or is it a state-to-state guideline? It's going
2: to be a state-to-state guideline, and, and and even though every state is charged with identifying the most the most permanent and the best permanent option for their children in foster care, um, we obviously going to be talking about Georgia's perspective. But but I think we can also take a lot of general principles away as well. Uh, but but some of the some of the other stuff I'm going to be referencing are primarily from Georgia. Um, okay. I, I think one of the important things to to recognize is that it's a it's a it's a part of the process for states um, and we began to see this when NASPA was enacted that to look at what's the best permanency option for for a child as he or she comes into foster care and and it's one of the things that that we want to try to do is to identify some of those things very early on in the case it's not it's not um, just the end of the process where you begin to talk about permanency you should be thinking about permanency from the very beginning obviously reunification uh, is is the goal in almost every situation Uh, and when that option is 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 not deemed possible then you look at other options so from the very beginning you're looking at okay how can we get this child into the most permanent option that best meets his or her specific needs. Uh, when I mentioned I asked for earlier, of course that's the Adoption and Safe Families Act, a federal law that was passed that really governs what states do around permanency, um, but one of the things I think it's important to, to, to recognize is the department, uh, the, the agency who has custody of the child, they're charged with identifying the option that is going to provide the the most long-term and most beneficial permanency for each and every individual child, adoption is seen as the most permanent of permanent options. Parental rights are terminated and/or relinquished, and the family then goes into uh, into court and completes an adoption, which makes them the legal parent. Um, so that is the most uh, the most permanent of permanency options. And in most states, that is going to be the preferred option. Uh, and you would go to guardianship, or you would go to, to long-term foster care, for example. Um, when you have a specific child in a specific situation that you've deemed that the the child is not going to return home, that's your first your, your first criteria. And um, when you say, well, you know what, termination for parental rights um, and adoption is not the most um, practical or appropriate situation for this particular child. So I want to make it clear that you're going to start with adoption first and exhaust that as a possibility um, And and as you go forward. That that discussion should be held all along the process with all the parties including parents, including foster parents, including uh, other support staff, From the community so that everyone is involved and and aware of where the child is moving in his or her plan. Um,
0: So for that to happen though that is a you you clearly to go move toward that adoption option you have to have a TPR to move toward guardianship not necessarily so is that correct?
2: Correct. To move to adoption you either have to have termination of parental rights or or a voluntary surrender by the birth parents um, in order to to proceed with an adoption guardianship of course you can you can make that permanency option before termination of parental rights or you can do it after but I think the key point is to is to make sure that uh, that each case manager and and department, county department in in Georgia at least is looking to say what is the most permanent option that gives this child the best opportunity to thrive in his or her daily life. In some cases uh, particularly for older teenagers um that may be the best permanency option um, many states have have fairly strict criteria around around younger children being placed for guardianship uh, Some states as I understand it have specific uh, guidelines around we're not going to do guardianship for children under a certain age and the idea being that that, with time, you you want you want to go in most situations with with a permanent option of adoption that that cannot be revoked and changed. Whereas guardianship um, can can be revoked, it can be taken back and changed uh, at a later point in time.
0: Wouldn't that be more important with the teenager than less important when they're about to be on their own? I mean, they're about to be independent and maybe not have the skills needed to be able to do that.
2: Yeah, that would be, and, and 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 that's why adoption is almost still, almost always the 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 goal, the primary goal in those situations. The problem comes into play that in, in for example, in Georgia, and it, it varies from state to state, but in Georgia, the uh, the child must give uh, his or her consent after age 14. So you may have a situation where a child at 15, 16, 17 says, you know, I, I just don't want to uh, to to go into an adoption. Sometimes it may be reasons like I feel like I'm betraying my, my mother and my father. They
1: don't want to sever that parental They right don't want to completely. sever that
2: relationship with their parents, um, even though even though that's one of those things that, that a good case manager and, and a good therapist can talk with a with child about, that just because you go through with an adoption doesn't mean that you have to sever that relationship mm-hmm. with your birth parent. Uh, some states have open adoption laws. Some states have open adoption agreements. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know that's where good casework and good therapy and, and really getting down to the core issues with a child as to what's your reticence to go with the adoption? What, what's your hesitancy? What do you think you're going to lose and not lose? Um, but so yeah, you're you're exactly right. In some cases, um, um, it it's, may even be more important goal with the teenager, but it's 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 more difficult to work through, I think, and sometimes because of, of other relationships and so forth.
1: Danny, is there ever a time when it would be beneficial in terms of state benefits for the child to do guardianship rather than adoption as far as maybe college um, tuition or Medicaid or anything like that?
2: You know, that, that gets into some real complicated discussions that we probably don't have time for, but... Uh, <laughs>
0: That's another podcast.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um,
0: but but she does bring a good a good point. I mean, I think there's a lot of questions around what do I lose, what do I gain?
2: Yeah. One of the things to consider is um, guardianship dollars, at least in Georgia, are are state dollars, uh, which means they're subject to budgets. Um, whereas your adoption assistance, if the child is uh, uh, meets 4E status, um, those are federal funds that that aren't likely to be pulled. So I think you're getting into you're getting to a lot of discussion point around I'm going to take guardianship and I'm going to make the assumption that those funds are always going to be available. Um, you know, it's clearly a situation where those funds are available contingent on, on the availability of funds, which is, you know, as we've seen over the last five, six years with state budgets, that it is a little fluid from time to time. So, I think in some ways, um, one of the things that we know is that there is at least, not to say that we couldn't get a federal law that would dismantle you know, or or alter the adoption assistance program, but that's that's not as nearly, in my opinion, likely to happen as, as you change your guardianship uh, responsibilities with each individual state um, you know with it depends a lot I guess on whether a child meets um, the state's definis- definition of special needs and whether that child may or may not be eligible for adoption assistance that may be part of the discussion um, but you know that's a discussion that should be had early early on with either the relative who's considering uh, permanency for the child or, or the foster parent who's considered, who's being considered as the permanent option for the child to look at all of those options in terms of what's best although I think it, you know, it's one of those situations where the department is going to look at all aspects of permanency in the best interest of the child not just financial. Um, finances are certainly a big part of the process but I think we also want to make sure that we look at, at the option that's going to be the most appropriate for the child emotionally physically financially and in in every other way
0: yeah Danny we cover um, that's a good point we cover in another session um, about the special needs criteria for each state we have a link to the description of each um, definition for each state of special needs so they can go and look they can watch that um, video or podcast and they can listen about um, what the different criteria is in the state where the child resides, correct, not where they reside. So if they're adopting across state lines, um, they can look to see what the special needs criteria is for that state and then take that into consideration accordingly um, based on whether they're moving toward adoption or whether they're moving toward guardianship. So you know that's that's an option that we offer for them to just educate themselves more on that that issue. But we always have that question of um, if we know if they adopt, or our our listeners will know after they've listened to so many educational courses about um, if they adopt, they're eligible for the adoption tax credit with certain guidelines. And they are also ad- available um, insurance. Medicaid is also available in some places for the child. Um, some states extend college. Um, and all that kind of great stuff. So there's a lot of benefits on the adoption side, but let's get into you know let's let's talk a little bit, Julie, if you don't mind speaking to. Um, okay, so we're not sure if we can do this. So what are our options with guardianship and adoption from a legal standpoint? Um, what what, have, what are some things you've seen?
1: Well, I think from a legal standpoint, guardianship may be a good option if it's being offered um, as a way to end. The state's involvement with the foster child that you have, the uh, biological parents' involvement, uh, at least temporarily, with the child that you're fostering, and what I mean by that is, um, if you're looking at a situation where maybe um, the department feels like they don't have enough evidence to terminate the parental rights, but um, the but the parent the child is not going to be returned to the parents, rather than kind of staying in a state of limbo if the biological parents were willing to sign an agreement giving the uh, foster parent a guardianship until the child was 18, that might be a good option. Um, I've had clients come to me where that has happened and, and now maybe they've had guardianship for one year, two years, three years and the parents still haven't um, done anything to maintain a relationship with the child or support the child and so at that point we can go in and file an adoption privately and um, and we can subpoena the DFACS records or the social services records. I know they're called different things in different states. We can subpoena social services records. We can um, ask for caseworkers to come in if they're available to testify and we can do a just a private termination at that point and I've, I've had success in doing that. And so I guess I see that as an advantage. If that offer is made to the foster parent um, because it does get you some steps closer to where you want to be eventually which is adoption usually a guardianship until 18 order at least in our jurisdictions would have some um, qualifiers in it for the biological parents for example it would say guardianship until 18 biological parents can come back and petition the court to get rid of the guardianship and to dissolve the guardianship and return custody to them once they have completed a drug and alcohol program um, gotten stable housing basically what it would say case plan huh? a case plan exactly but it would be but at that point the social services wouldn't necessarily be involved except as a witness The adoptive parents would be in charge, their attorney would be in charge of of handling the termination of parental rights hearing, as well as the biological parents would have to hire an attorney to come back and and go to court. Possibly they could be appointed an attorney in, in certain situations, but it would be, the responsibility would then be on them. Social services would not be helping them with their case plan. They would have to do everything on their own, out of their own pocket,
0: uh, so the case plan still stands, is that so?
1: No, the case plan wouldn't stand, but it would be more of conditions of the court's order of guardianship. Gotcha. And so, okay. But they would be, for example, if, you're, if a biological parent is working a case plan with um, social services, then social services, say, say the case plan requires a psychological evaluation, social services would pay for that. If we're talking about a guardianship situation where there's an order, social services is out of the case. The the parent is required to go and get a psychological evaluation. They would just have to pay that expense out of their own pocket, and
0: and social services will not be involved. Is that is that correct, Danny? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's correct. So if they if they show signs of not participating in the case plan whatsoever I guess this too depends on the age of the child if I had a 17 year old I probably wouldn't want to do this because waiting a year would would kind of rule it all out anyway but if I had a 10 year old um, and could do guardianship for a year I think the thing that um, the fear is that they could come back you can do the guardianship can they come back in three or four months and say we changed our mind or what, I mean, is that the number one fear is the parents are going to come back. So what is that? How does that relate to, you're saying they could, but they, they then would have to bear the burden of the expense of taking it back to court and undoing the situation. Is that correct? Right.
1: And they would have to prove that they were fit parents at that point. They couldn't just come back and say, we've changed our minds. They would have to come back and say, Hey, look, I have gotten off drugs and I have this great job and I have a place to live. And and I think you know it would take at least six months to show that that was stable. Um, one thing, just I just wanted to uh, speak to what you said about a 17-year-old. Now, and and I could see a situation where there's a 17-year-old and there's there's maybe no way we're going to terminate his the parental rights before he's 18, but maybe you know go ahead and and do the guardianship once once a a person is 18. If they are bonded with their foster parent and they're over eighteen, you know you can do an adult guardianship, which is a very simple process and or adult adoption that's that's why i'm I'm sorry. an <laughs> adult adoption um, nobody you know the parents don't have to consent to that just the just the child who is now an adult consents the adopted parents' consent, and it's it's very easy
2: and I, I wanted to add something, bridget too you, you you kind of alluded to a little bit of the fear that a foster parent or or other a relative may have with with the guardianship that well the parents might come back and and just that fear and uncertainty I, I think if we turn it around a little bit you, you can also begin to get a little bit of a flavor of the fear and uncertainty that a child might have that on one hand you're telling me I'm gonna be your I'm gonna be your child uh, but there's a qualifier I'm gonna be your child until I'm 18 um, but one of the things we talk about a lot is this is a relational decision that with adoption at least uh, you become a legal part of the family and and when we're talking about permanency we're not talking about permanency until a child turns 18 most of us need our parents long into our adult life Um, so we're looking at a relationship with that child when he graduates high school who's going to be at his high school graduation when he gets married or she gets married who's going to be there for that for that great event when when a parent an adult has their first child. Who's going to be in the in the uh, hospital room when that baby's born? Well what we what we seem to to know and understand is that adoptive parents through that commitment are going to be more likely uh, over the long haul to, to be actively involved and engaged throughout that child's life more so than guardianship. It sends a real different message when you say I love you and I love you forever but I'm not willing to make the commitment to adopt you. Um, right. You know and, and it's almost like there's a conditional part of that relationship that some children find uh, very difficult to deal with wait a minute you love me and you're committed to me but not enough to make the final ultimate commitment so you know one of the things we talk a lot about is when we, when we talk about whether a guardianship is is in the best interest of the child it really is that relational aspect and component of what it really means Um, and maybe the child again as we talked about earlier says I don't want to be adopted but rather than take that face value I think what we have to do uh, to be really good at what we do is to really assess what that really means is he saying I don't want to be adopted or is he saying I would rather take what I have than run the risk that you try to find an adopted family and you fail which means no one wants me Uh,
0: right right no, I, I totally agree. I think that that's something that the foster parents really need to look at and, and seriously consider with the help of a counselor on what's in the best interest of this child is that really we should be looking at the best interest of the child first, mm-hmm. you know, and then making all these other decisions in in to support that, whatever that is, you know. Definitely. Um,
1: I think the foster parents need to have legal counsel too because I guess what I am suggesting is more of a, you know, a, a potential – legal strategy that you may want to use in certain situations
0: and And all are very important though all are very important in the scheme of things to really look at it you know
1: and I think that's why they need as you said uh, a counselor mental health counselor as well as legal counselor um, right to to assist them through this process because uh, foster parents do have rights and and they do have um, an interest in the case and and can intervene in the case and, and be heard by the court
2: and in Georgia, in fact, it's, it's legislatively mandated there is a foster parent bill of rights uh, that, that foster parents, you know, can, you know, are subject to. So it's it's pretty important that, they're, that they know and understand their rights and what's available to them. It's also important, I, I think, as we make this decision, that again, that that decision is something that's discussed from the very, very beginning, uh, even to the point where you may select one foster parent over to the other depending on their current circumstances and the circumstances of, st- of, of that particular child that you want to you want to put your children in the best possible situation that will reduce their number of moves and that will provide them the opportunity to to be in that last placement um, and that last placement is what's so important for for children to to be able to look at themselves in the mirror and be able to say with certainty, I'm going to be here tomorrow. Uh, none of us have that certainty, but as certain as we can to be able to say, I know where I'm going to be a year from now. I know what what my life is going to look like to some degree, or at least who my support system is going to be. And that discussion needs to be a, a front-end, middle-end, and back-end discussion, not just a back-end.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. I agree. Let's talk about, we only have about five more minutes left. Let's talk about the steps that, so I'm a foster parent and I'm wondering what are the steps I need to take to move toward um, adoption or guardianship. If I'm in this foster parent situation, what's, what's step one and what do I need to do? Give me just a couple action items that I can go tomorrow and, and and figure out what I need to do
2: well the department is going to set the permanency plan they're going to decide whether whether adoption is the permanency plan whether guardianship is the permanency plan uh, whether placement with a fit and willing relative is the party is the the plan the department is going to set that uh, with the full knowledge uh, of of the foster parent at the point of deciding to for example if adoption is the permanency plan uh, at the point when the department, in Georgia at least, decides to to seek termination of parental rights or in the case where a birth parent surrenders his or her rights, at that point when, when you're looking at legitimate permanency, uh, the department, by the Foster parent, parent Bill of Rights, it has to give the foster parent the first option to be considered as the adoptive resource. Um, and so when, when the decision is made, hey, we're going to, We've made the decision that we're going to ask the court to terminate parental rights. The foster parent is is going to be notified within a within a certain number of days that the department has made that decision. Uh, just as a as a piece of information, hey, we're we're going to make this decision. We've decided we're going to ask the court to terminate. Doesn't mean we have any idea whether the judge will honor that request. But we're going to we will make sure you are aware. At the point when and in Georgia, we we really increase the, the, the process in the beginning trying to to put our children in the most uh, permanent uh, placement as possible but also to do so as quickly as possible so uh, again this varies from state to state but in Georgia uh, foster parents are not licensed initially as as adoptive parents also they're licensed as foster parents so one of the things that that the department would do is is say hey we're going to go for termination of parental rights and then the family would be asked if we achieve termination and adoption is our plan, would you be interested in exercising your option uh, to to be considered as an adopted parent? And if so, uh, the department would do an adoption assessment of them so that they could uh, be legally certified uh, as a as an adopted parent. So I think that. In terms
0: so is that just like an extra home study, or is it just like a maybe a visit, or what does that look
2: like? It's not really an extra home study. It's 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 an evaluation by the by the adoptive parent that's based on on two criteria. Are are you the most appropriate permanent option for your child? And Wait,
0: by the adoptive parent or by the caseworker?
2: by the by the both actually okay the adopted okay. parent of course or the foster parent of course has to decide whether he or she wants to be But okay. uh, if, if if they want to be then the department really has to look at two options are you the most appropriate permanency option right now and in many situations you would have to say yes or or if not why is the child still there but your your bigger question is is are you the most appropriate permanent option for this child a year from now, two years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, because permanency adoption is a a legal relationship. You become the the permanent parent forever. Um, So part of the discussion is going to be, are you prepared for this? Do you, um, are you the most appropriate person uh, to do that? Um, Taking into account health and circumstances and all of those things that, that would put the child in the best, possible placement to be a permanent family. So it's a process, it's not just an agency driven decision, it's it's a, it's a an assessment that's joint between the foster parent and, and the department, though ultimately the department makes the decision as to uh, whether that foster parent is the most appropriate uh, family for that child. There certainly is an appeal process uh, for foster parents through the Foster Parent Bill of Rights, but it is a determination based on not your current caregiving abilities, but are you the best permanent option forever for this child?
0: So what if the department is kind of, uh, let's just say time is passing and nobody's really moving toward permanency. Um, If I'm the foster parent, what would be something that I could do to move it along? Could we go to the department and say, look, you know, we're willing to be an adoptive parent or we're willing to look at guardianship um, we're willing to look at a more permanent option than just the limbo that we're in. Um, what can we do to move this along, or is that no,
2: Absolutely, and not only that, it, that should be a discussion that should be held every single month when the case manager comes to visit, Is and part of the discussion is going to be what's the permanency plan for this child, how's it going, is there a concurrent plan, are we working a simultaneous plan for reunification and a simultaneous plan for adoption, which is, uh, in many cases, is is done early in a case. Um, so I think you're exactly right. A foster parents should be should not be hesitant to ask at four months in care, at five months in care, at six months in care, where are we going with this case? Where do you see me as a part of this of this child's future? Uh, because it, it should work both ways. You know, one of the worst options is going to be to, to, to allow a child to grow up in a foster home 12, 15 months into the case, go to this foster family and say, hey, we're, we're about ready to terminate parental rights. Are you interested in adoption? If that foster parent says no, then you're, you're looking for a permanent option at the very end of the process. If a family at eight months in care says you know what um, we're foster parents and we want to help as many kids as possible we need to make sure you're aware that if if you get to termination of parental rights and are looking for an adoptive family for this child we're we're probably not going to exercise that right you may want to go ahead and look for a permanent family now so it works both ways where the department and the family need to be very very well educated on the options but also communicate extremely well as to where each side is uh, uh, for the child it's ultimately about the child and so right. you're exactly right during during every conversation the department and the foster family should be very clear on where are we headed with this case how am I involved
1: um, and I think it's important to note that when we're talking about termination of parental rights and permanency plans initially the per- initially the permanency plan is usually reunification unless there's a history with social services by the parent is that right? That's correct. Okay and so I think you know we're talking about further down the road and I just think foster parents need to understand that because you don't want someone going into foster parenting thinking oh the first child I get will will go for adoption and and, and I'm doing this just for adoption they have to understand that there is a legal risk the child may be returned to the biological family An important thing, I think once a a foster family has a child that's been in their care for a while, maybe just to consult with an adoption attorney who is well versed in juvenile court as well, um, just to discuss their options and just to maybe have somebody um, in their back pocket, so to speak, that they can call when they have a question. If they have a legal issue, they can call and, and just get some some immediate advice
0: from that attorney. Well, let's talk about that for just one second. If you, if I'm a foster parent, am I looking to, I know that when you go to court, there's, there are attorneys everywhere. Everybody's represented in different ways. What, who should the foster parents look to for legal counsel? Who should they talk to? Should they get an outside representative or should they talk to someone that's already in that courtroom or what is the step to find that advice?
1: Well, the foster parents can certainly work with the attorneys that are, they, they probably wouldn't want to talk too much with the with the birth parents attorneys without maybe having legal representation, but they could certainly talk to the Department's attorney, the social services attorney. I mean, um, who in our state is called a special assistant attorney general or a SAG, but. Um, I think at the point where it's looking like it may go towards adoption or a permanent placement with the foster family. At that point, they need to be talking to their own attorney. They need someone to represent their interest and they are allowed to file something called a motion to intervene so that they can actually be made a party to the case okay because otherwise they're just kind of a witness to the case um, they're, and they're paying for that
0: outside counsel on their own correct
1: yes they would be paying for the outside counsel on their own now in certain situations they could maybe just consult with outside counsel and say this is what's happening at what point do you feel like you need to, to come into the case and, you know, and, and that would be certainly a, a cheaper option just to have somebody kind of on retainer
0: to come into the case at the appropriate time. Okay. And we talk a little bit about finding that right attorney in another podcast, yeah. but we will um, let them go and listen to that for more information on that. Uh, really, really appreciate Is there anything last that you guys want to add? We are about out of time. Um, anything you want to add? And, and this has been great so far. I think it's been wonderful information for Um, anybody in this process to be able to get a little bit clearer on what they need to do. So any last words?
2: Yeah, you know, one of the things I wanted to add, Bridget, is is something, going back to something that Julie just mentioned, and that is, I think it's really critical for families entering this system uh, who want to be parents to a child in foster care, is to be very clear with themselves and very honest with themselves about what they feel their skills are and what their ultimate goal is to be. Um, foster parenting is, is very different from adoptive parenting. They're very different responsibilities, uh, very different levels of involvement. Um, and and, and we, when we see families get hurt, it's often a situation where they're in the wrong category. They, they really want to adopt, but they decide, well, you know, I've heard that foster parenting is the best way to get there, so I'll do that first. Uh, and then they find that the first child comes to them, stays six months and goes home, and their heart is absolutely ripped apart. Uh, so I think it's really important for families that are listening to this who are just starting the process to be very clear about what the options are in their particular state, but more so what be very clear about what their ultimate goal is to be. Is their goal to be a forever parent, that a child comes to them and stays with them forever, or is their job to, to be the parent for as many children as possible whether it be one day a week a month or a year they're very different emotional levels of involvement as well as, as physical and, and and other kinds of involvement so i think it's really important for couples that are listening to this families that are listening to this to be honest with themselves about what they ultimately hope to achieve um you know in georgia you know you may have about between 80 and 90 percent of the adoptions every year are by foster parents but the other side of that coin is is you may only have 12 to 15 percent of kids who come into foster care during a given year who end up in adoption. Um, so on one hand you could say well, well the majority of the time if a child is adopted from the state uh, the foster parent is going to be the the most likely person to adopt. Um, but it only takes one child to have your heart broken apart. So I think, and I'll, I'll close with this, just be very clear and very aware of what the options are. Do your homework. Talk to the representative of the department, to an attorney or whomever, or talk to Adoption Discovery, uh, and learn what your options are, but but learn what your goals and your roles and responsibilities and what you hope to achieve. Um, really, really critical.
0: Thank you. Thank you both so much. I appreciate your time today and that is all for today on this topic of guardianship versus adoption, and we appreciate you listening. Good day. Hey, Bridget. Thanks, Bridget. Thank you.
2: Join us for a life-changing experience. Just go to adoptiondiscovery.org today for more information about how to make your adoption easier. Join like-minded people and learn about new and innovative ways to adopt. We look forward to celebrating adoption with you. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And please, share Adoption Discovery with everyone you know.